0: Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill and Jonathan Green. It's the
1: fastest hour on the radio, Speed City. Evening, welcome to your Sunday night with Speed City. We need to get that opening uh, opening little open liner to say, and Bob Varsha. Bob, I I, yeah. I told you I was going to fix that a long time ago. got to do that. Oh, <laughs> ah, well welcome to your Sunday night with Speed City. We just watched the Daytona 500. We're going to talk all about that. We're going to talk lots of Formula 1 like we always do because there were five car launches, air quotes. Uh, some of them launched a car, some of them launched some pictures, some of them <laughs> Anyway, we're going to talk all about that. We got some Formula 1 stories we're going to talk about. It's John Massingale sitting in the studio in Austin and Bob Varsha over Zoom. Mr. Varsha, how are you, sir? Doing great, John,
0: thank you. It um, was a pretty exciting Daytona 500. I wasn't sure it was going to end before we went to the air tonight. But uh, fortunately, it did. Congratulations to Ricky Stenhouse and his team. Um, now they have to go through all the, all the hoops of fire as the Daytona 500 winner. The media calls, they got to take their race car, give it to NASCAR to go in the museum for the next year. And this is not a team with a lot of resources, so I don't know what they're going to have in hand in California next week, but that's their problem.
1: Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, We've already got a bunch of comments on YouTube. Wes Mann said, is Johnny Green back? No, Jonathan Green is literally finally in the air. We tried oh, to, no! we tried oh, to record, a, record a segment. We couldn't get it done because stupid internet in New Zealand was not working. But uh... Jonathan Green. <laughs> yeah, it's not yeah. working. He's going to get back, and then he's going to jump right back on a plane and head to Sebring for Trans Am. He is going to be exhausted, I'm sure.
0: I can get you a great deal on a Chinese balloon if you want to bring him (laughs) home. It's got to be faster than whatever it is he's on. You said it's going to take him 36 hours to get home?
1: I don't remember. He just said it was going to be a miserable trip. I I was trying to convert times, and so was he, and it's going to be a miserable trip. But... Yeah, yeah, you bought line and all that. <laughs> but it was fun to watch the Daytona 500. I actually had it on. I didn't sit and watch, sure. you know, the whole thing. And, uh, but I got to see a good bit of it. And I just saw some, I heard him talk about some stats that I wrote down. Third most competitive ever in terms of lead changes. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, a single car team with Stenhouse Jr. That's pretty cool. You know, to win yeah. Daytona. I mean, but that's.
0: Yeah, Brad Daugherty's team, the college basketball legend. Yeah, from North Carolina. Um, Yeah, all in all, I'm sure there were a lot of folks happy that that team won. Uh, Helps keep the series healthy, beat the super teams from Penske and Hendrick and what have you. And I'd have to say that Stenhouse put on a pretty good demonstration of handling the uh, green, white, checkered restarts, working his way up from, gosh, I think he was on the third or fourth row on one of those restarts, got up to the front, and then there was a crash, and they did it all over again. Uh, (laughs) And then he and Joey Logano were basically in a drag race onto the backstretch. There was a crash behind him, and when the uh, decision was finally rendered as to who was ahead, when they hit the button to turn on the caution lights, they said it was Stenhouse. I wasn't sure, and I don't think I ever saw definitive video proof that it was him. I thought Logano would want it, but I'm okay with Stenhouse and his team.
1: I did the same thing. I did not see it. I was kind yeah. of scrambling, like you said. It ended up before we were about to go on air, so I was scrambling to get my stuff ready to get yeah. out the door. But I, you mm-hmm. know, that's a pretty easy thing to. I don't think there's any controversy there. But but um, yeah. but yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Um, I was watching Connor Daly slowly through attrition move up the uh, move up the standings. Yep. I think he finished 29th, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, mm-hmm. 29th. And you pointed out right before we went on air about our our friend Travis Pastrana. That's pretty cool, huh? Yeah, spectacular.
0: Finished 11th. Yep. I mean, one of those guys who can just drive anything and not afraid of anything. And it sounds like he handled his race pretty well to come home just outside the top 10. You know, rookies, both of them. Uh, Pastrana got in. He qualified on speed. But uh, Connor Daly had to work his way in by being the top finishing um, otherwise unqualified driver in the race, and he managed to do that over Austin Hill, who is no uh, no no talent kind of guy because Austin Hill came back and won the the Xfinity race last night for the second year in a row. so for uh, for Connor to get by Austin Hill and make his way into the five hundred field, that's that's a bonus.
1: And you know what? The uh, there's the old saying. If you're in it, you can win it. I mean, if you're in it, yep. you can you can move up from 39th to 29th in Connor's case, or up to 11th for Pastrana. That's that's yeah. pretty pretty cool. Yeah, uh, you know, having
0: gone to speed weeks for years and years, uh, I'm always overwhelmed standing there in the uh, on the pit road and listening to that field of cars go by. It's just it's just astonishing. And these drivers are so skilled and they run so close together at such high speeds for hours, flat out, all the way around. Having to be constantly on alert for the, the air moving the car around on the racetrack. And you saw what can happen when somebody gets it wrong because they'll take out the 10 cars behind them. Uh, I mean, it's a real dance with the devil. And there's um, there's nothing else like it that I can think of.
1: You know, it's a really good point, Bob, because... Uh, you know, we got we mostly talk Formula One on this show, and which we're going to do yep. here shortly. And we do get a few NASCAR haters every now and then. And uh, we've had a, more than one Formula One driver that I've interviewed over the years has talked about NASCAR and has a mm-hmm. very healthy respect.
0: Yeah, no question. I mean, talk to the guys. We've talked about this before. Dario Franchitti, Juan Pablo Montoya. All the guys who were super successful in open-wheeled cars of one form or another, they found out that it's a very different animal driving a stock car. It's like it's like what I go through when I'm around the Formula E, you know, all-electric series guys. Very different race car from anything else they've ever driven. And there are techniques that have to be learned even by, you know, the old hands who have been doing this for decades. At one point I wanted to make, um, the announcers, our buddy Mike Joy and everyone talked about how This was the most competitive in many years. I think Mike said there were 52 lead changes and there's only three or four other Daytona 500s in the history of the race, going back 64 years, that had more than that many lead changes. Now, you and I know, John, we get black all the time about, oh, there's no passing in Formula One. I was reading through one of the uh, Miami press releases, and we're going to talk later on about all the changes for the Miami Grand Prix this year. But last year they had, I believe the number was 45 passes in the race. So
1: <laughs> there you go. You know,
0: I don't, I don't think you can argue that formula one is not better.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Especially lately, the last couple of years, I know before that we had mm-hmm. definitely with some, I mean, that's what all the hullabaloo was about was a couple of years ago, but man, yeah, and uh, granted,
0: they're talking about NASCAR lead changes as opposed to mere passes, but they also had twice as many cars in today's race, and the race was mm, two and a half times as long—well, twice as long—as a Formula One Grand Prix. So you know, apples and oranges.
1: Yeah, I was just checking social media and see what see what the uh, the buzz was out there. Not doesn't sound like too much. No controversy here, making sure everybody was okay in all those crashes because there were definitely some scary looking crashes there towards the end. Yeah. But um, the Stenhouse gang uh, are, I was just looking at his last tweet. They're just, their whole, it looks like he's got his wife or girlfriend. I'm not sure. Speaking of girlfriend, uh, we got a. We got – oh, we got – you know what? We have a caller on the line. We want to bring him on. I think he just got out of a race car. Do we have Connor Daly on the line? Yes, you do. Mr. Daly, how are you, sir? What a fantastic finish. 29th, buddy. You were moving up the ladder.
2: (laughs) Well, I I might interpret it slightly differently, but (laughs) thanks. It was uh, was a new experience. Um, Bit of a difficult day for us, honestly, Uh, but uh, learned a lot at certain points. Um, cool to be a part of it but um honestly it was yeah it was it was a tough 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 car to um try to take to tough knife to take to a gunfight
1: (laughs) well look (laughs) i know i know we were joking there but but it was really fun to watch you hanging in there the whole time i i i honestly was watching you as close as anybody when i brought up the timing and scoring because i was really really rooting for you connor
2: I appreciate it man. I mean honestly the first you know the first 20 laps were actually a great experience because we we started on the top lane and and um you know there were a lot of quick cars in that lane as well and so we were able to you know we were able to actually move up quite a lot um and and that was fun but uh made they, people started shuffling around a little bit made a move to the bottom um, and, and just kind of got left behind. Our car was um, super, super draggy and just, just not didn't have the power we needed, so kind of tough to stay there unless we had cars behind us, but when the energy was behind us, we were well capable of being there in the pack and kind of moving forward, but uh, just kind of got hung out to dry, and I mean, honestly, I'm not really surprised. I wouldn't have trusted a rookie, a rookie at Daytona either, but learned a lot for <laughs> sure.
0: Well, Connor, Bob Varsha here. I know you're Your mom and your dad and your entire family are really proud of you i gotta tell you you sound like a tired puppy right now what was it like spending that much time in a difficult car in a race like the daytona 500
2: i mean honestly man physically it was the easiest race i've ever done um (laughs) but i I don't think it's been you know it's not supposed to be a giant physical output mentally for sure when you're in the pack uh it was a different feel i mean that many cars kind of stuffed up behind each other. Uh Alex Bowman spun literally like right in front of me and that was kind of a wild, uh wild moment to see happening on the on the high banks. But uh just just something different, you know. It's it was something different to experience. Honestly super thankful for the experience because you know, it's it's special to do the Daytona 500. I mean, I I love the Indy 500. It's still the my you know ultimate goal, and want to win that this year, and hopefully come back and try to win the Daytona 500 too. But uh, it was you know it was it was an experience. We needed to you know bring a, a a bit more of a competitive machine to the to the to the grid. But when we you uh-huh. know if we are able to do that, we you know have a lot more experience to use it.
0: How did it come about that you entered the race this year? I'm sure our view, our listeners, would like to know.
2: Well, we got a great sponsor, BitNow.com, and our, on the on the IndyCar side, and they um, they've kind of just loved what the motor racing world has done for them business wise. They're launching a new website March first, which is a huge, uh, you know, huge thing for for the for the company, but also it aligns well with racing season beginning. So um so that that that's kind of a perfect fit they love being involved in indycar they love the indy 500 but why not get involved in nascar as well there's a lot of great things happening as we're as everyone has been saying recently a rising tide raises all ships and i think motor racing in general in north america is doing such a strong job right now that people are able to use it you know profitably
1: yeah huge crowd it was what sold out crowd there of 150 thousand plus and, and yeah, I I thought about that, Connor. I was thinking about you know Drive to Survive and all that. But I did look around and go, you know, there's there's a lot of buzz about it. There was buzz all over all over social media. So it it was definitely. Uh, I think you're right. I think it, it, NASCAR. I I love to see the ratings. I guess we'll get the ratings in the next day or two. I want to see how well it did. But but hey, what do you think? You think uh, this will be um, uh, not your first Daytona 500?
2: I mean, well, It's got to be his first.
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
2: yeah. as 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 a competitor, I mean, I I I really really want to do it again and do it with you know with with a, in a better situation. Obviously, any driver, right. you know, we don't show we don't show up just to drive around. We want to compete. So, um, so we'll see. I mean, honestly, if you would have asked me 12 months ago what I'd be doing the Daytona 500, I'd say you'd be insane. So. Uh, life mm-hmm. has a crazy way of working out, and um, here we are,
1: <laughs> Connor. You have uh, did the, they ever? <laughs> I was just going to say your career. I, I've been talking to you for twelve years, and every time we talk, your career you're taking a, a you know a left turn. <laughs> no pun intended, but this has just been really fun the last few years. It's been really fun to watch you, and I'm really excited you got to do this. What were you going to say, Bob?
0: Well, um, when Connor first went out. I guess it was on Thursday in the duels he went out there and his car was hopping at the rear, like a kangaroo. It was, it was unbelievable. I've never seen a stock car do that. What did the problem turn out to be,
2: Connor? Well, honestly, I didn't quite hear you because we're just leaving the racetrack and Florida has the worst (laughs) cell phone service in the history of the American states. So, um, (laughs) I did hear, uh, a, you talking about the bounciness in our car and it was honestly the, the shocks, there was an issue with the rear shocks. Um, and it was not, it was not good. Uh, it was something that was very detrimental to our performance and my learning experience as well. well. Um, but, uh, you know, I guess that's that is the tough part about being a small team. That is the tough part about um, you know not being not not having the resources that other teams do. Uh, and you know, we were the ultimate ultimate underdog. And uh, you know, sometimes you got to deal with that stuff.
1: <laughs> well, that? Connor, I know you're you're ready to try to get out of there. You got bad cell service. We just thought we'd give you a try, and I'm glad you picked up. And uh, we're all really excited for you and and glad. I know you wanted to do better and and all that competitive juices in you, but uh, it was still great to see you out there.
2: Thank you. Hey, we still moved forward and we did all the laps and we didn't end up on the the tow truck like a lot of other folks did. Exactly. That's uh, that's positive.
0: That's right. You passed. You finished. (laughs) Yeah. All
1: right. Well, thanks, Connor. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Yeah, Connor's one of my favorites. I have to admit, uh, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I was just excited to see him finish the race. That—that's what I really wanted. I wanted to see him finish the race and being and moving up ten spaces. All right, let's let's squeeze in a quick break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk some Formula One. You're listening to your Sunday Night with Speed City. Back. I I wondered Casey I uh, if he would pick up. I, th- I just sent Casey. I just texted Casey the number, and he picked up. So that was cool. Love to have yeah. Connor. yeah. Connor's definitely one of my favorites. Just checking some social media and see if anybody else has anything going on out there with the Daytona. Got a few folks watching on YouTube. Joe from Oyster Bay showed up on time tonight. He's been late a bunch of times lately. Or was it David Lawrence? One of those guys is always late. Who's that? Oh, it's just some guys on YouTube. They, They come, they show up every week, but... Kevin Kelly's joking. He says, oh, the Daytona was on. Oh, and Paul, your friend Paul Bryan texted me, Bob. Yeah. He said, yeah. Uh, what did he say? It was pretty funny. He said, tonight's TMZ he headline, former Danica Patrick boyfriend wins Daytona 500.
0: <laughs> nah, I was going to make that point, but I decided I wouldn't. Yeah, Ricky, is uh, he was Danica's squeeze for some time, a couple of seasons, I think. Hi, this is Gene Haas, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City.
1: All right, welcome back to your Sunday night with Speed City. We're going to talk some Formula One now. Uh, I want to start by saying, if you haven't seen the trailer for the new Drive to Survive season coming up, I think it's, gosh, we're only about 10 days away from the uh, the launch of this season, so check that out. Uh, Bob, got fingers crossed. I was talking to Chris Medlin the other day, and he said that he yeah. was, was talking to the folks at uh, Box to Box Films, and they said that the little segment that we did when Gunther dropped what we thought was an F bomb. I mean, I
2: was fucked uh, the whole butter.
1: <laughs> that right there, <laughs> he said that that made it to Netflix. So we'll see. Oh, yeah. If, yeah, that we, <laughs> we'll see if we made it to Drive to Survive. Perfect. Uh, I always wonder if if Casey, the producer, will play that on the local radio because (laughs) I guess so. I think he just did. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) So, anyway, uh, but hey, let's talk some car launches. I'm going to take them in order of launch and start with Aston Martin. And I, uh, I think the big thing here was they got a new technical director, Dan Fallows. He came from Red Bull. So, to me, when I saw the car, Actually, I saw a comment. Somebody said it looks a lot like a Red Bull car. And I started looking at it. And then people started talking about it. And it actually does look cl- quite a bit like last year's Red Bull car. It kind of looks like last year's Red Bull car with last year's Mercedes front wing on it. But, um, well, yes and no, I think. Okay.
0: Um, I was looking through, uh, there's a guy out there, an Englishman, Craig Scarborough, yep. who goes by Scarabs, S-E-A-R-A-B-S. And he does very, very nice technical drawings and explanations, kind of like what Giorgio Piola does. Um, and he pointed out that the there's a very dramatic departure on the uh, side pods of the Aston Martin from anything else in the pit lane. He calls them water slides, Basically, I think what he's talking about is the upper surface of the side pod air inlets drops dramatically to the rear of the car and basically goes right to the floor of the car. It doesn't stop at the engine or, uh, or the transmission or anywhere. It goes right to the floor, and there's this huge slide, the board, like a playground slide, that goes right back to the diffuser and helps channel the air and all that thing that aerodynamicists worry about all the time. But it, I think it's kind of clever. It's a dramatic and bold move on uh, on their part. And it'll be interesting to see if it works because as Fernando Alonso said, Lance uh, is going to be a world champion someday.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I did see that. And I think my eyebrows just un- uncontrollably went way up when I read that. I was like, oh, okay, uh, yeah. I, I'm not gonna trash on Stroll. I was looking at I was surprised at how many races he's run. He's over a hundred Grand Prix now. Mm-hmm. I, I just Yeah,
0: saw, he's up around 119 or something. Yeah. Something we like that. You saw that same graphic I did about the most experienced yep. Formula One team.
1: Yeah. Uh, Aston Martin. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was I was surprised at that. Of course, when Alonso has three hundred and thirty-five or whatever Grand Prix, that'll do it for you. Yep. I, I put that in here. I wanted to click at that, click on that because I wanted to show it. And uh, yeah, here it I'm is. Looking at your images,
0: I can't see, you can't see it from these, per, well, you could see it from there to the left and right of the exhaust where all that dark carbon fiber is. That's where these slides, these water slides go dramatically down to the diffuser level. Yeah. It's really quite something.
1: Well, it's going to be interesting because um, just thinking about Lance—I mean, excuse me—Lawrence Stroll's goals yeah. of to be, you know, a great team and win championships. They've got to, they've got to, they've got to get some work done. So, um, mm-hmm. but, but uh, you know, they've got a new factory coming. Um, in fact, I think they did the launch at the Silverstone factory, the unfinished factory. But they did some minor right. changes to the front suspension to add some anti-lift. Um, I know the side pods look quite similar, other than what you're talking about, the shape of the pod up high. And right. uh, uh, and the front wing is does look quite a bit different from last year, too. So we'll see. So, mm-hmm. uh, But let's talk about McLaren. That was also on Monday. Aston Martin was on Monday. McLaren was on Monday. I think if so- I had to say one of the least – impressive or one of the most disappointing launches was mclaren because i mean maybe because it just seemed like to them they just didn't seem to be very upbeat about their own car and you know they did the perfunctory you know wording but there just wasn't a lot of excitement going on there so uh, yeah would you agree i think yeah definitely
0: um and I think Lando Norris contributed to that. He made a comment that I don't want a competitive car as much as I want a, a better behaved car, which I thought was a really weird thing to say. So, I mean, obviously, he and Daniel Ricardo had a horrible time with that car last year. Lando managed to bring some real performance out of it. Daniel, you know, really never could. Um, and and you're right. I think they sound very cautious about this car. I mean, Andrea Stella, I mean, the new uh, technical team principal said it's it's going to take years. And this goes back to what you were saying earlier about all the dramatic changes going forward. Technically, it takes time and it takes experience and learning and and all the good teamwork type stuff but they said it's going to you know it's going to take years but we hope to get back they want to target the top 4 teams this year which means they basically would be happy finishing 4th among the uh, constructors mm-hmm. which is not a bad goal but it's certainly not something that Ron Dennis and the McLaren of old would have settled for
1: yeah and i wrote down some things i heard a lot of talk about being realistic you know that's that's not exactly optimistic. And then uh, team principal Andrew Stella said, and I quote, not entirely happy with the launch car, but optimistic we should take a good step soon. And I think I saw something about them uh, potentially doing some changes, uh, a few races in that they thought would get them even more competitive. But I I think the the whole vibe was they're just kind of downplaying their chances this year. I think that was the way it felt. So Uh, Well, that's you know, it's one
0: great marketing strategy is to keep expectations low.
1: Yeah, that's Uh, true. And then
0: if you you do solidify fourth place behind the Red Bulls and Mercedes and Ferraris of the world, then you're doing well. Yeah. So maybe that's their
1: goal. Well, I'll tell you the the car itself, the papaya, and the way that you know the Google Chrome logos and everything. The car itself, I really like it. I think it looks great. I think it's one of the best looking cars on the grid. And it obviously is not dramatically different from last year, you know, the the livery and everything else. So I just think it's a good looking car. But all right, well, let's get uh, another quick break in. I know that's close to back to back, but then we're going to talk a lot more F1. We got some more teams to break down. We got Mercedes, Alpine, and uh, we'll be back. Oh, and Ferrari. Hello. Back after these messages. All right, we're still live on the YouTubes. Uh, let me look at a couple of things that I wanted to talk about. Oh, $99. Bucks. I was wondering. I was watching the uh, the commercials here in Austin, Bob, during the Daytona 500. They showed uh, NASCAR at Coda because it's coming up in March twenty, wow. March 26th, right around the corner for us here. And I couldn't remember how much tickets were. And you get a three-day pass to go to NASCAR in Austin here for 99 bucks, Uh GA. So... That is about a quarter of a Formula 1 ticket here at that same facility because they were at 500 bucks or at least $400 last year, depending on... And what do you
0: get? What's uh, I mean, you've got G. Cup a- on the program. Who else is racing?
1: Um, I don't. Let's see. Let's see ah. if they say... I don't know who the... Uh, well, this doesn't say. It just talks about all the ticket prizes. I'm on the ticket page, but... Uh, you know, they've got like main grandstand seats, a good example. What happened there? Are you there, Bob? I think maybe your connection. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Let me jump on the chat. I can I can hear you. There you go. Okay. I think it just lagged. I don't know who else is on NASCAR. I'll just look I was on the ticket page of NASCAR at Coda. But um But yeah, Am like... I supposed to be getting Commercial law on my Uh, e Casey said, no, you're not supposed to be getting commercial.
0: Okay. It went away, but I I was listening to the
1: commercials. Oh, no wonder you're having trouble. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. I was just looking. I was comparing the prices. Like main grandstand seats, 275 NASCAR. That's a $2,000 ticket at, at F1. All right, here we go.
2: Hi, this is Karun Chandok, and
1: you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to your Sunday night with Speed City. We're going to talk about the Ferrari car because it launched on Tuesday. And my notes, Bob, say, could this be their year? What do you think about that?
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that just, just said help. it all. No, no. I'm sorry. I'm getting some audio interference in my in my ear right now. We're talking about Ferrari.
1: Yes, Ferrari, Ferrari. I yeah. said, could well, it be year. their
0: year? If they've looked the motor problems they had last year, there, uh, you know, they had so much lack of reliability on the uh, on the engine side. In fact, after the season, uh, Mr. Benotto, before he left the team, said that they had actually detuned their engines. They were running at less than full power just to maintain reliability so they wouldn't keep taking engine penalties. So if they've got that licked and they have good power, um, I have no doubt Ferrari can be more competitive this year. Whether they'll win the world championship for the first time since 2008, I don't know,
1: mm-hmm. but it's Ferrari. Yeah. Uh, they To me, they had quite the opposite of McLaren. They were optimistic. They talked about this complete redesign. That was a comment by the head of chassis, um, Eric Cardilea. I said that wrong, A last name. Cardilia. Um, They pointed to both aero and mechanical changes in this complete redesign, increased downforce, suspension changes to, inc- to improve their setup options. Uh, they did do a little short little 15-kilometer demonstration run at Fiorino, Fiorano. And, um... The whole vibe was that it was they were optimistic. Um, Leclerc requested a more consistent car, right? And, and that seemed to be the goal: is that let's let's fix the engine problems number one, and let's make the car more consistent, which I think everybody was working on. And, and of course, everybody, literally every single team was working on getting down to this. What is it? 798-kilogram weight limit. And Ferrari talked about that. Uh, but let's see. There was, you know, rather than, you know, a lot of the teams made changes that kind of were Red Bull-like. Ferrari, did they basically followed their same aero template as last year. Like, they, in, they optimized the intakes, but not some big changes. The side pods were a little smaller, um, but not massively changed. Front wings, lots of changes there, but... But, but not a, you know, I, I think those were, I would have to say, lots and lots of tweaks. Uh, I, I wrote on here, plenty of unca- unpainted carbon fiber. But I think you could say that about virtually every single car on the grid. Uh, but, yes, engine reliability is their top priority. And, Bob, you probably saw this, too, on Twitter or anywhere else. There was this rumor starting about a week ago that that Ferrari had picked up 30 horsepower. And, like, well, how? They can't do that. The engine freeze. <laughs> And I think what this was, what the, where this rumor may have started, was exactly what you said, is that basically if they can just fix the reliability and then turn the knob back up, they already had the 30 horsepower. They just couldn't use it last year because every time they turned it up, they had engine failures. Because like like Leclerc, how many races was Leclerc in the lead? I remember two for sure where he was in the lead and the engine exploded. I remember one of them in fire.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they definitely had their share of those sorts of problems. Um, I think the car was fundamentally good. Um, I'm sure they'll want it to be more flexible um, to meet the conditions of more different racetracks. Last year, you know, we expected everybody to come out. Well, we didn't know, frankly, what they were going to come up with. A lot of teams came up with a chassis that would work well at some racetracks, not so well at the others. And... Was everybody, including Mercedes, Ferrari, Red Bull, and so on. I think Red Bull did the best job of rounding off the rough edges on their car. Uh, and as a result, they swept those championships. But uh, I think there's still going to be a little bit of that sort of feeling your way along. Teams are talking about upgrades already. Um, that's not a surprise. I'm, I'm frankly surprised that more teams have put cars out there. I'd- or in pictures and say, that's the car we're bringing to testing. I didn't believe it for a minute. (laughs) Maybe it's true. We'll have to see. But there are different looks out there. I'm looking at a, a tweet from the F1 Pro Series that shows the noses of all the cars. The Ferrari, the Mercedes, the Alpine, the Williams, and the Haas have much broader noses than, say, the Red Bull, the McLaren, the Sauber, and the uh, Alpha Romeo, I mean, the uh, Alfa Romeo and the um, Alfa Tauri. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, people are, are doing different things. And it's when they all get together and they're on the track and everybody can see what everybody else is doing, then we'll see the upgrade start to come because they'll start exploring what the other teams are doing, what the successful teams are doing, and how they're doing it. And, uh, and then that sort of homogenization that you're talking about uh, will take place. But uh, this is going to be a really interesting test because there's still a lot of shooting in the dark going on, at least in my opinion.
1: Ah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, look, we're only the second year into these major changes of the downforce, you know, the uh, the complete aero change with all the downforce generated underneath the car. But, I mean, I'm just thinking about Ferrari and how how quick they look at the beginning of the year last year. I know that's, it's, you know, there's so many factors in that. Red Bull probably wasn't really fully up to scratch. And, but they were so fast. I mean, they, they came out of the game. They were leading by, I want to say, 30 points at one point early in the season. So uh, we shall see. I've got it. Let's see if I have any more notes on Ferrari because, um, yeah, there's that 30. And the dyno runs is what they were saying they said that because of the dyno time reliability is, is they're saying because of all that the evidence that they've seen that they've cured it i would love it i i'm not saying i want Ferrari to win it'd be great i'm just saying i would love it if we didn't have such a huge gap from red bull back to everybody else so and i also feel like our next uh discussion these guys will be in it because we're going to talk mercedes now because they launched on wednesday um I wrote down their the the actual launch itself because some of these like the Red Bull launch, I, in my opinion, that was miserable. They were they 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 got off track and were talking about all other sports. I, I I honestly I paused it and went back and skipped ahead and just watched what I wanted to do about the Formula One car, and even that was not that exciting. But the Mercedes one was nice, short, sweet, well done. Interviews with Lewis, George, and Mick. And I love the addition to Mick to that, and then Toto, and then on to the car. And I, as far as looks go, the new black car looks, I wrote down, mean, aggressive, technical, low, and wide. I don't know if it's necessarily lower and wider than the others, but it it just looked that way. Maybe it was the camera angle or the colors, but I thought it looked great. What about you, Bob?
0: Well, I did. uh, Again, with the caveat, you know, it was that ride height.
1: You mentioned the car looked lower.
0: Uh, It was designed originally, we are told, to run lower, very low to the ground. But that's what created the porpoising problems. To cure it, they had to raise the ride height. So the car was basically being asked to do something it was never designed to do, and they had their problems. Uh, They recovered to some extent before the end of the season. But uh, I have to assume that had to be priority number one coming into this year was finding a ride height where the aerodynamics of the car would work, as I said, not just at Silverstone or wherever, but uh, on as many different tracks as they could uh, manage to make it work well on.
1: Yeah, and you know, I wondered, before it came out, I was thinking, are they going to change this minimal side pod? And they really didn't. I did, Yeah, you know, I mean, it's basically the same. Uh, And, you know, they argued that, that it wasn't. They still believe in that. They they did say, however, Toto Wolf said the side pods will change, not very soon. So I don't know what that means. It's almost like it's is it or do you still believe in it or do you not still believe in it because they're going to change? But um, have you? Well, yeah, go ahead. Well, you know, it may just be a step.
0: Mercedes thinking down the road about what they want the car to eventually morph into, once they've proven or disproven, the, uh, you know, this non-side pod side pod or whatever you want to call it, the skinny side pods. Um, They're a little bit wider than they were. So I think they are still committed to that. And I think it was Toto Wolf who said it. He said, you know, we think this this radical side pod configuration was not the cause of our problems. It was something else. More specifically, that right height thing that I just mentioned a moment ago so um, you know, Mercedes um will probably be more formidable this year than they were last year. And you gotta know the drivers are gonna be more fired up.
1: Yeah. And there was uh there was a single word that I heard um uh total wolf talk about. And I was thinking to myself, this is this is strange because um he he was. Um, let me see. What's this? Eventually is what he said. That's what it was. Mercedes F1 boss Total Wolf said his team's 2023 car would eventually become competitive enough. And I thought, well, that's I, I guess, you know, there's always so many uh, cryptic messages in these early launches. But eventually sure. I guess, it's basically saying the same that I was just saying before. Not very soon, but. Um, yeah.
0: Well, again, it's not like they designed it to not be ready. They just dis- you know, built the best car they think they can. Uh, and they recognize that we're still a little bit in the woods. We still don't have our arms all the way around this new for 2022 concept of um, you know, the downforce coming from the underbody of the car rather than the top. Uh, and I think we'll see a lot of the early changes to the, uh, to the underbody, to the floor, uh, and to all of the aerodynamic devices that direct that air to the, uh, the Venturi's, is what I'm trying to think of, and, uh, and the diffuser at the back to make the car work.
1: Mm-hmm. And, you know, let let's. I was thinking about all this black paint. Somebody commented on YouTube, um, David Lawrence says, the increased carbon is really the headline of the launch season. It's true. I mean, it's been every single car. But it reminds me, somewhere I was thinking about, you know, the silver arrows that we've become so accustomed to with, with Mercedes. That stems back from this exact issue of the reason it was silver is because they were up against a weight limit or they wanted to try to reduce weight on the car. And so they ran the aluminum car at the time with no paint way back in the day. And that's how they came up with the Silver Arrows. And here we are uh, with this new all-black car. Now, I know it had some flat black or matte black paint on on this 23 car. But it was, you know, they said they're saving hundreds of grams. And I don't know about you, Bob, but I, I I, learned how many grams are in a pound, and it never left my brain. I learned that back in high school physics because my physics teacher was talking about it, and he said there's 454 grams in a pound. And at that time, the Chevy 454 was a coveted engine for me so I've never forgot. That's how I can always remember how many grams are in a pound because it's the same number. Not of... a lot. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yes, they were saving hundreds of grams, which is crazy to think about, right? When you're yeah. talking about uh, a, a car saving hundreds of grams. but
0: Well, but that's not unusual. I mean, I remember working with the series back when uh, Ford owned Jaguar. They bought Jackie Stewart's team, made it Jaguar, and they worked for weeks and weeks and weeks on trying to find a type of paint that would not only pop on television and look good, but would also be applied in a layer so thin (laughs) that it would add a minimal amount of weight to the car. Um, And, you know, after... After finding the lightest and thinnest paint job you can, your only option is to take the paint off and go without. And that's to a large extent what Mercedes and some of the other teams are doing. Not taking it all off, but a lot of it.
1: Yeah. You know, I wonder about, I wrote this down, I wondered if Mercedes, and I've thought this before, is that, you know, I know we had a bunch of changes, but Mercedes has these massive resources, right? You know, they have this, this this huge team with incredible people. And I wonder after so many, what, eight championships, is it just human nature to let off a little bit? And maybe this last year, you know, coming in third and not having a great year. I mean, it's a pretty miserable year, honestly. Um, porpoising for them was so bad. By their bad. standards, yeah. Yeah, by their standards, a miserable year. And will that just reignite that fire and uh, – you know cuz to me I don't know about you it would not surprise me at all for Mercedes to win the championship next year I don't I'm not predicting that I'm just saying it would not surprise me at all
0: Well no of course not look at their record I mean they have they have cleared so many hurdles in the past and dealt with so many difficult situations and came up with excellent solutions effective solutions that allowed great drivers to go on and do great things and win championships. And it's not like they forgot how to design at Mercedes or at any of these teams really, but Mercedes given their success in recent years, wouldn't surprise me either to see them back on top at the end of the year. Although beating Red Bull is going to remain a very, very
1: tough thing to do. Yeah. I mean, just looking at the the speed of the car last year, crazy. Um, all right, let's get in our last break real quick, and when we come back, we're gonna talk Alpine, and there's a the driver discussion will be it will be a part of this one too. So you listen to your Sunday night with Speed City back after these messages. Uh, let's see, who was it? Was it David Lawrence? <coughs> yeah, David wants to hear about Gasly versus Ocon. Um, the uh, the sponsor story, been, I follow, I retweet these guys. Let me find out who they are. S P O something.
0: Yes. I'm getting eighteen seconds of audio that we, you know, recorded.
1: Oh, you're you're getting commercials during the break? Um, I do have YouTube, but I kill that. Oh, that's what you're getting. You you're getting the audio from YouTube, Bob. Okay. I killed it. I was just gonna say there's some guys named SpoMotion S or I don't know. to to have, it. yes. So Spomotion, these guys, I've started following them and retweeted them a couple times because they're, they're keeping track of the sponsors really well. And it's stunning the number of American sponsors in Formula One now. All right, coming back. Hi, this is Max Steppen, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, during the break, Bob and I were talking about, I just brought up this Twitter account called SPO Motion Analytics, S-P-O Motion Analytics, and I was looking at the number of American sponsors, and it's really amazing how many sponsors now, uh, most of the teams now are, are primarily sponsored by American companies, and a couple of really good stats here, like the total number of sponsors for each team. Pretty easy to guess this one, considering what Zach Brown has been good at all his life. They have the most sponsors in all of Formula One. Number of partners is really the technical. And that's McLaren with 42, then Red Bull with 38, Alpha Romeo with 38, then Ferrari 35, Aston Martin 27, Mercedes 27, Williams 20, Alpha Tari 15, and Haas at 12. But um, if you go through their Twitter account, you're going to find some really interesting stats. About all the different sponsors and how many Americans, American sponsors. Half of McLaren's forty-two sponsors are from America. So, and and in fact, McLaren has twenty-one. And um, oh no, that's not the right stat. But 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 anybody, nobody else is even close. So, all right. So when we went to break, I said we were going to talk Alpine, and because they had theirs last, they had their launch last. On Thursday, and my, you know, they had I, my notes say they had some lofty goals. Uh, end of the year, Otmar said we need to be closer to third than fifth, and their plans are less DNFs, more points and podiums. That sounds like a uh, recipe for success, Bob.
0: <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, get out there, qualify on the front row, take off into the lead. Lead across the finish line, and good things will come your way. That's, um, that's about as generic as you can be, I think. It's like, uh, you know, hit the baseball and run hard, yada, yada, yada. I don't know. It's, I, I kind of expect good things out of this team this year. I think the competition between Esteban Ocon, who apparently got quite sick after the end of last season, he had a virus that he said kept him out of the gym for like six weeks. And it took him for a while to get back into fighting shape, but he insists he's there now. But between him and Pierre Gasly, two guys who grew up very near to each other, uh, in uh, Northern France, who were not supposed to be the best of friends, but things seem to have been fairly smooth thus far. If they can harness that energy and the competitiveness and um, and not run into each other as teammates in that group have before. Hmm.
1: Um,
0: I think that team could do something, do something special this year. A certainly, challenge for that number four spot in the midfield.
1: Mm-hmm. And we'll go back to those drivers. But uh, based on what you just said, is that I wrote down mm-hmm. something that that no other team talked about that I heard. I'm, I'm not, you know there could be something out there that I missed, but they said they got they were on such an aggressive weight reduction uh, production the, the goals they were meet they hit all their goals that they're below the weight limit now, and they've now they've even ta- they're talking about ballast and how they can how they can work with ballast right. so moving it around yeah yeah, if they have been successful at that at that that's i mean that's a huge thing anytime you can make a race car lighter, that's a huge thing it makes it faster handle better everything is better when you're have a lighter race car so if they've yeah, done that's that, the old
0: rule you want to be over budget and underweight
1: <laughs> yeah yeah uh i did write down some interesting notes about what they had done they the the uh the nose has changed changed structurally it's flatter and therefore it's subsequently lighter and more part of that uh, and one of the biggest and most striking changes i saw I'd call it a gutter running around the side pods that feeds air to the rear. Um, it's a really pronounced, when you look at, especially if you look at the car from the top, it's very pronounced. And, a, and I don't think I've seen another car that looked quite the same. We'll see how that plays out. So that ought to be interesting. Um, there was a big change in the rear suspension. They went from pull rod to push rod. Again, saying that was it got them a lot lighter. So so many mm-hmm. so many things that um they focused on light weight they talked about a bunch of inboard suspension components that we can't really see um that are that gave them more setup bandwidth which i love that concept you know let, <laughs> you know thinking of the first thing i think of when i think of setup bandwidth is something you brought up earlier bob is there's mm-hmm. so many different tracks and how cars struggled last year they were great at this track and really miserable at another track. Haas F1 seems like has always struggled with that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's more pronounced by, what's again, the fact that this is a very new technical envelope, if you will, for these cars. They have, they've had one season with these aerodynamic rules. And so now they've, they're, they're a lot smarter than they were last year, but not as smart as they're going to be next year. So, uh, you know, that's going to be a thing to watch. Once again, who hit the bullseye and comes off the truck fast and who isn't and what it is they think they need to do to get fast. This is going to be a really interesting test in Bahrain.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, reliability <laughs> down for Alpine. Reliability was definitely a problem last year. And one of the team's first goals Seems like they had water pump problems i i read where they've replaced both water and fuel pumps they've been something that's replaced redesigned so but i want to go back to the drivers again you talked about these guys have been mm-hmm. i mean they've been friends since they were a kid but then they had a, a a falling out and even apparently a falling out that went so deep that it was between the families so uh you know that's a pretty deep divide but <laughs> You know, I was thinking about you can have all these clashes and all these this bad blood, but okay, you both have made it to Formula One. I, let let's be let's be bigger than all of that and make the team successful. And I think that, I mean, you would think that it, if anything would make them get that push that behind them, it was the fact that they are both on the same team. And if if you're screwing up, you're you know you're 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 screwing up the chances for the whole team. So I don't know. I just think that this this uh, this is a great opportunity for them to to just move on and and uh, and bury the hatchet, or whatever you want to call it.
0: Yeah, we'll see who's mature enough to do that. Um, it's uh, you know it goes back to that that strange position that the drivers are in. Yeah, they want to do well for the team. In fact, they want the team to finish one two on the racetrack but they don't want to be two.
1: Hmm. Yep. And so it's uh, you know, it leads to a lot of competitiveness. Yep. Uh, let's see anything else for the Alpine car before I go to another story, Bob.
0: Uh, no, I've said my piece until I go kick the tires on the damn thing. <laughs> I don't really know what I think of it. And I've said before, I don't believe anything we see in the launches anyway, because they don't want you to see any of the really trick and cool stuff. So, you know, that's fine. We all know what the rules are and we'll, uh, we'll see who brings what to Bahrain.
1: Yep. Well, we're almost out of time, but I definitely wanted to talk about something we didn't get to talk about last week. And that is, I don't know if everybody's been following this, but Miami has announced some significant, significant campus upgrades ahead of this race. And they're right in the middle of all of that right now. So you ought to go mm-hmm. to the uh, F1MiamiGP.com and check it out. They're, and they've been posting some stuff on Twitter, and they're talking about a... Uh, it's a major investment. They're talking about a brand-new permanent paddock club, and it's a building that's being constructed above the pit garages. Um, they're going expand to expand into the field of the Hard Rock Stadium where Team Hospitality will be based, creating this Formula One team village. Apparently, the fake water is going to be back i know that was uh there was people poking fun at why that why would you do that <laughs> but it was it was kind of cool um a bigger fan zone down it's there, enhanced you can look so, down there yeah anyway it's it looks like it's going to be some good stuff but bob we're out of time thank you mr varsha for jumping in and helping me out today and thanks everybody for tuning in thanks to connor daly for picking up the phone when we called and I was happy to see him Uh, get a chance to do what he did. I I love the fact that he was disappointed because that's a race car driver, of course, with all that competitiveness. But, well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and uh, we'll talk to you next Sunday night.